You're rocking with the voice of town view. We put our spin on trending topics and school news. Thought provoking, insightful, we speak the truth. We do it for all ages, not just for the youth. Uh, listen close, you might learn something. Or laugh so hard, you split your side of something. Uh, live stream a podcast. Whenever you tune in, it's sure to be a blast. Uh, Let's be honest, you don't want to miss that Content so real, you're gonna want to run it back We keep you entertained while making an impact Want foreign announcements, well this is not that uh. Sports, pop, culture, political Whatever you like, we got you covered, bro uh. It's a movement, more than just a show It's KSBM Radio Broadcasting live from Marvin E. Robinson School of Business and Management, Dallas, Texas. My radio station. We are KSBM Radio, the voice of Town View. Hey guys, welcome back to KSBM Radio, the voice of Town View. I'm Art Lover and I'm here with Unison, Jasmine, Jelly. And today we have a very special guest, Ms. Angela West, our new School of Business and Management principal. With an impressive 26-year journey in the Dallas Independent School District, Ms. West brings a wealth of experience. Today we have the privilege of delving into her experiences as she, as she takes us through her remarkable journey. Thank you for joining us today. Thank um, you for having me. Would you like to share anything about yourself before we get started? How are you doing today? I am great today. My voice is a little raspy today, but I couldn't miss this for the world. So other than I'm great. And to be in the presence of awesome students here at Townview Business and Management, you've made my day. So it's the highlight of my day. And again, thank you for having me. Uh, how is everyone else doing? I'm doing great. I'm a little shaky, but everything's great. Mm-hmm. I've been doing great recently, yeah. I, I also got a little bit sick, but I've been feeling better recently. Good. <laughs> and I'm doing really good. I'm really excited to be here on our first show, and especially with Miss Wiz. Or Mrs. Wiz. Me too. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm ready for this interview. Um, how has your experience been so far at the School of Business and Management? It has been phenomenal. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to put it in words, but... Um, You all, I I just feel that I was destined to be here, and I feel that everything that I've done, every role that I've had, every educational experience, every leadership role has prepared me to be here to lead you all in this awesome school. So it's been great, phenomenal, to answer your question. Have you faced any challenges recently? Well, I face challenges every day, believe it or not, Uh, but there are none that, um, that we haven't overcome. You know, there are challenges in education. You're going to face challenges every day. Um, You know, from, and especially when you have high expectations and, you know, you want the best for your students. You want the best for every single student here in our school. And I want to support our teachers in every way that I can. So anytime, you know, when you have those high expectations and you hold yourself accountable, there are going to be obstacles. But again, you know, working with a great team of educators and instructors like Ms. Shipman, you know, and all the other instructors that we have as a team, you know, we can overcome everything. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. We'll be right back after this short break. Yo, what's up, KZN family? Currently enjoying the show? But don't leave us just yet. We'll be right back after this short break. 
Welcome back, guys. So today we're going to get started with the interview. To start us off, for Ms. Mrs. West, you graduated from, from high school in Natchez, Mississippi. How did your experiences shape your educational journey? Well, Natchez, Mississippi is a small town on the Mississippi River, a very small population uh, where the majority of my family lives. So growing up in a small town, truly you all, there was one stoplight. You know, it has grown since, but that's what I experienced, you know, during my childhood days. Um, family, you know, during that time, again, small city, family was huge for me. You know, we, we say and we mentioned the, the comment about it takes a village. Truly for me, growing up, it was my village that shaped me. So that village was not only my family, but every person pretty much that lived on my street. Every person that lived in my grandmother's neighborhood where I went to school, well, after school, I went to her house every day, and I encountered pretty much everyone on the street. So, again, having all of those role models and just folk who took an interest in me really helped shape me. And, um, I mean, education for all of us, even though a lot of them didn't graduate high school, it was important for my generation, you know, during the time to graduate high school and to go on to college. So the support was very, very valuable. So again, that small town village really shaped me. And it was just not an option for me not to go to college. Again, even though they didn't go, it was no option. My mom was an educator for 37 years. She taught middle and elementary. And for me, everyone in my family thought that I was gonna be a teacher, right? I didn't want to be a teacher, right? At the time, I actually wanted to be a doctor. And so with my family knowing that, you know, it would be those constant conversations like, where are you going to go, right? And again, my family, again, being my immediate family and the village, the adults in my neighborhood, you know, where are you going to go to college? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, what is it? What is it going to take to get there? What are you doing now to prepare for that? So just those conversations and interactions with my village and the encouragement just really pushed me. So Natchez is still a small town. We have more than one stoplight now, right? But the majority of my family is still there and I still lean on them. And, you know, when I get down and I have those challenging moments, you know, that I, I'm going to face in education, that's who I go back to. Again, my immediately family and some of the elders, you know, who are still living. So that's who I call on for support to kind of get through some things so I'm a country girl with big <laughs> dreams you all and again I just want to give back and give a shout out to all of those folk who inspired me growing up I had a follow-up question how did you feel being a part of a smaller town you know I felt good I felt really good I felt supported but I have to share if I can really be transparent you know for me growing up for me um, I had low self-esteem I just never really thought that that I was pretty um, that I was going to go far. And uh, um, I don't know, again, just having those adults in my family and, and, and a teacher who inspired me, right, who called on me. I'll never forget an experience that I had, right, who called on me and put me in front of my peers and had them share the great things that they loved about me, you know, and just, just talked about how beautiful I was. I mean, that changed my life. So, 
again, I have to go back to my mentors, have to take it back to my family and those elders in my community who really shaped, inspired, and motivated me. Do you have any specific role models that you could tell us about, like a specific person that really like sticks out to you? My mom, y'all, mama, <laughs> she's the one for me. And like I mentioned before, my mom was an educator and, um, you know, for 37 years, again, she taught elementary and middle school. And she actually went on to get her principal certification, but she never uh, became a high school principal. You know, she talked about it, but she never pursued it. Um, my mom, for me, you all, growing up, I was an only child. Well, I am an only child. Um, I was a professional TA growing up, okay? So, you know, I go with my mom to school. I decorate her bulletin boards during the summer. Um, every day, you know, after school, I grade papers, of course, multiple choice, you know, questions. Couldn't, couldn't grade the extended writing. Um, but... Just growing up around her and being in that environment all the time truly inspired me. But again, I didn't want to be a teacher. My family said that that was destined for me. It was going to happen. I was that one, you all, when cousins would come over to my house, you know, I'd, I'd have the, 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 the books. I'd have everything laid out. You here, you here, you sit here. And I taught math. Right to my cousins who I said at the time, just they couldn't get it. Right. And so I was always studious growing up. But uh, anyway, again, I was that professional TA that didn't want to be a teacher. But my family thought that I was destined to be a teacher just because of the things that I love to do uh, as a youngin. You know, that like we would say in Mississippi. Um, so, yeah. So just growing up in education, just education surrounded me, decorating bulletin boards. Um, playing teacher, all of those things shaped me. But again, wanted to be a doctor, and it didn't happen, but I ended up in education. So my village was correct, and I have no regrets. Going back to your high school years, were you, were you passionate about any extracurricular activities or organizations? You know what, if I wasn't feeling bad, I'd get up and do a toe touch for you. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a cheerleader uh, in all four years in high school, and I absolutely loved it. For me, teamwork was everything. You know, again, I talked about leaning on my village, you know, growing up, but on my squad, it was my squad, you know, that was there. So I made sure in high school, I surrounded myself with positive individuals, uh, folk who wanted to soar like me, and a lot of girls on the cheerleading squad were just that for me. So again, my support, um, I mean, we all wanted to excel, so we were very competitive. Um, you know, if someone made a 95 on an exam, then we were all a bit jealous because we wanted to, you know, beat that 95. So, yeah, cheerleading for me, it taught me hard work. It taught me um, just a lot of work ethic, hard work, uh, you know, never giving up, um, learn to count on your teammates to get it done, and just being professional. I mean, looking good and, and doing well. Uh, well, uh, going on to your college years, uh, your path led you to Xavier University uh, for your bachelor's degree. Um, could we ask what drew you to Xavier and were there other colleges you considered? 
why did I choose Xavier, right? I mentioned before, thank you for asking the question. <laughs> you know, when I talk about my alma mater, I get very excited. So Xavier University at the time was the number one college in the nation for placing African-Americans into medical school. So I wanted to be a doctor. Specifically, I wanted to be a pediatrician because I love kids. And so that's why I chose to go there. Actually, I only applied to two colleges, right? So I didn't want to apply for the second one, you know, which was Jackson State University, but my mom made me because she was a little hesitant about me, you know, kind of moving a little far from home. So I applied to Jackson State, but I knew that Xavier was my destination. So I went there and they were probably some of the best years of my life. Um, you know, I, I believe in working hard and playing hard, right? So for me, there was definitely a balance in college. So I mentioned before that I was studious, right? But I'm not the one to study all day and all night, right? I gotta play and have fun. And so that's why I wanted to go to Xavier as well. All I'm gonna say is New Orleans, Louisiana. You all know a little bit about New Orleans, right? Yeah, Mardi Gras. Um, you know, it goes down, y'all. If you don't know, it goes down in New Orleans. And so I wanted to be a part of the fun and the festivities, but at the same time, I wanted to be a doctor. And so I wanted to surround myself with folk who wanted to be a doctor as well, right? And so uh, it didn't quite happen for me, right? But still, those years were very valuable and really helped shape, you know, me into who I am. What was your favorite thing about attending that university? I just mentioned, right, it's a party city, right? <laughs> if I can be honest, right? But no, again, being surrounded by very highly motivated individuals, um, I loved that. And I mentioned that was important for me in high school as well. So going there, imagine, right, me, this country girl, right, going to New Orleans, Louisiana, surrounded by folk from different areas of the nation. And, you know, I kind of found myself just in awe. My best friends were from New York, from Miami, from New Jersey. Um, so just really being engulfed with folk from different cultures, it was very eye-opening and amazing for me, right? Again, me coming from little Natchez, Mississippi, right? And I got a chance to step out to go to Party City, Louisiana, <laughs> and, you know, to be surrounded by, you know, folk from different cultures. So, and to be in the midst of a Party City, what? That was everything for me. So, yes, and so they, they helped shape who I am as well. While pursuing, pursuing your degrees, did you uh, have any, were you involved in any clubs? You know, I was not involved in any clubs uh, while I was at Xavier University or uh, while I worked on my master's degrees, but I did a lot of volunteer work. So um, it was a bit challenging for me to kind of balance, I'm just being honest, right, to balance, you know, the fun and the academics. So to be involved in a whole lot of other things, I couldn't quite figure it out, right? And so, um, but I did volunteer work because it was always important for me to give back to my community. So the church that I attended in Louisiana, you know, we'd often go and clean parks. Um, I got a master's degree in environmental um, science. So for me, making sure that the environment was clean was a big deal for me. So I'd always go in clean parks and uh, with my church, just, you know, pass out food. I love to eat y'all. So, you know, that's something I want y'all to know about me. Uh, but anyway, um, so those were two things that I really just stayed involved in.
Mm-hmm. Uh, you you told us how you wanted to become a pediatrician, but um, I wanted to ask how did uh, your path change to becoming an educator? Thank you for asking. Right. So, you know, at Xavier University, again, at the time, the school for placing number one school in the nation for placing African-Americans into medical school um, is very challenging. I did maintain a 3.2, you know, GPA, but I was surrounded by very highly motivated individuals. Like still to this day, some of my best friends are doctors, right, and pharmacists. So uh, but there's an exam called the MCAT right, that you have to pass in order to get into medical school. And I couldn't pass that test, y'all, to save my life. But anyway, I tried. It didn't happen. But that's okay, because had it happened, I wouldn't be here. And so, you know, with that, after that happened, I had a decision to make. Where do I go from here? So an opportunity uh, was presented to me to go to Tulane University on a full scholarship to get a master's degree in environmental health science and toxicology that I couldn't turn down, right? I was already passionate about the environment. So to go to a very prestigious university right there in New Orleans, again, Tulane University School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine on a full ride to get a master's degree in toxicology, I couldn't turn it down. Well, I did that, and it took two years for me to get my master's degree. And after that, okay, I was kind of faced with, you know, another roadblock. I worked in the lab at Xavier University while pursuing my degree in environmental science. But after that, I started uh, applying for some big corporate jobs. Well, they wanted more than just a year of experience that I didn't have. So they wanted the degree but they wanted more experience. So, you know, I, I, I didn't take, you know, some of the basic jobs that were presented for me. You know, again, small town, small town girl, you know, been exposed to New Orleans, um, you know, with high expectations and, and big dreams. I didn't take, you know, some of those basic jobs. And so at that point, I had a decision to make. What do I, what do I go from here? Well, kind of off record, if you don't mind me sharing, um, because this played a big role in my life. Well, during that time at Tulane, there was a flood that came through New Orleans. It wasn't a hurricane. It was a flood. I lost everything. I get emotional when talking about it. Literally, my brand new car that I had for two months, everything, you all, my clothing, every pair of shoes that I owned, everything I lost. And so this was actually two months before graduating with my master's degree from Tulane. So at that point, all of my research, my computer was flooded. Everything that I worked on for those two years, right, really, and things that I bought, you know, and owned my whole life were, were gone. And so talk about roadblocks, right, and, and you know, pivoting. At that point, it's like, what do you do? What do I do at this point? And so I actually moved home for a week. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, for a year. I moved home to just to get it together, to figure out where I was going to go, what I wanted to do at that point. So that year for me was huge. And so at home, I taught adult basic education. Um, So here I was, right, back in my small town, which I grew just a little bit. And what was I doing? What I didn't want to do, found myself teaching, right? And I taught at a local church, and I taught you all an 89, he was almost 90-year-old man, how to read. 
I'm going to say that again. So, because for me, that was a moment that changed my life. Again, I volunteered and taught an 89-year-old man within a year how to read. At that point, I said, okay, my village was right, right? They mm-hmm. got it right. So education, you know, is is probably you know, um, the thing that I need to go into. And I did. So I knew I didn't again, small town girl, right from Natchez, had a taste of New Orleans. I knew that I didn't want to stay home, right? So I had to move. I'd have relatives here in Dallas. And so I packed up the things that I had, not a lot, because remember I lost my things in the flood. And I actually packed up and I moved to Dallas. And I moved to Dallas and I started working with my family. They had a family business. And the whole while thinking, okay, all right, let me get into teaching. I'll never forget, my cousin woke up one morning. He said, I know we talked about you teaching. I think it's time. I enjoy having you working here, you know, uh, with my company, but I think it's time. And I actually went to Dallas ISD headquarters and was hired on the spot, literally hired. Like the conversation was very short. Uh, I remember a few questions coming my way, and I think I did pretty well. And they were like, you know what? Got a job for you, right? Got a job for you. So at that point, um, I got into the alternative certification program with Dallas ISD. And I started teaching at Woodrow Wilson High School. So I was there, and I had my two sons back-to-back, got married, and um it's, it's been on ever since. So I don't know if we'll talk about the other schools and all that later or. Um, going back to how you taught that man how to read, would you say that's one of your biggest accomplishments? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You all, reading is everything. Reading is a gateway to all contents, right? If you don't know how to read, if you're not comprehending the information that you're reading, right, you're not going to get any of the other subjects. So for me to help 89 years old, right, most people at that age are set in their ways. They've learned all the things that they're going to learn in life. So, you know, um, that was huge for me, right? Again, that was the point for me, where I realized that my village got it right, right? So education is for me. Even though you originally didn't plan on being a teacher, do you feel like it was always your destiny to become a teacher? It was always my destiny. Again, growing up, surrounded by it, you know, I mentioned my mom as being my biggest role model, but my godmother, who's actually my mom's best friend, and she's my aunt, as well. My stepdad's sister, she was also an educator. So I grew up um, just, again, surrounded by her, you know, helping her grade papers and going to school during the summers, decorating, cleaning the school. Um, So I was always surrounded by it and always surrounded by those two educators who were very powerful women, you know, in my life. So yeah, now I know. Back then, I didn't know. Um, reflecting, reflecting on your early years as a teacher, uh, can you share like a more memorable experience, uh, classroom experience that shaped your approach to education? Oh wow! All right, so let me go. Okay, I taught at North. I taught at Woodrow Wilson first, and then I taught at Woodrow. I'm sorry. Let me go back. I taught at Woodrow Wilson first, and then North Dallas High School. I'll never forget teaching at North Dallas High School my first year. So there, 
it was it was a bit challenging for me. And it was challenging because number one, I was a floating teacher, which means I didn't have a classroom, right? I was teaching science. So here I was carrying lab equipment, pushing lab equipment on a cart from the third floor to the first floor, to the second floor, to the portable, right? That was a challenge in itself. And then I had two classes where I taught ESL biology. So I taught students that didn't know any English. I'm batting my eyes, you all. <laughs> I'm going to say that again, right? So I wasn't a brand new teacher, right? I taught before, but I was brand new at North Dallas, been a floating teacher, and I taught ESL biology. Y'all, you all know that science is not an easy subject, right? <laughs> no. So now imagine, right, teaching science to students who knew no English, okay, and floating, you know, trying to provide the best environment for all of my students, you know, and then at the same time, just trying to get them to understand the information that I was teaching. Well, I must say, right, being the person, you know, who I am, shaped by all of my experiences, um, knowing that and truly believing that all kids can learn, I ended up with, after that year, my student scores were the best in, in the school, okay? And I did a lot of research. So for me, a lot of my time was spent on, you know, how do I reach you know, this group of kids, how do I reach them? And so I did a lot of research and just really implemented those strategies that I learned about. And to have, it's not all about scores, don't get me wrong, but for my kids to outperform all of the other teachers, you know, who were there, who were veteran teachers, you know, um, on the, I think at the time it was the tax exam. So for my students to outperform them, we, we celebrated. And a lot of that, a lot of their success came because of the additional time that they put in, right? It wasn't that because I was so great. Um, I researched and did what I could, everything that I could to help them. But they came early in the morning and they stayed late after every day. So, you know, with the instructional time that we had in the day, um, you know, we actually incorporate some additional time. And so I think, again, just me believing in them and knowing that all students can learn, putting in the extra time, you know, staying committed and letting them know that anything was possible, you know, we did it. And so I'm super proud of, of that, of that time in my life. Well, thank you for sharing what you've shared so far. This is going to wrap up the first part of the interview, and we will be right back. Yo, what's up, KZ and family? Currently enjoying the show? But don't leave us just yet. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back. We're going to uh, continue the interview with Mrs. West. During your time at Woodrow Wilson and North Dallas, were there specific moments or experiences that stand out to you and your growth as an educator? Definitely. So I just shared about, you know, my work with my ESL students and so growing them and just helping them to believe that anything was possible. For me, that was that was a huge time, uh, an accomplishment, not only for me, but for all of my ESL students. So, yes, that that was a great time mm -hmm. for me uh, during your time. How uh, well, during your career, have you ever encountered students who uh, remind you of you or uh, influenced your, the way you teach? Really good question. 
You, it's funny you ask. Um, about two months ago, I ran into a student. Her name is Brittany. And Brittany reminded me, and she a, a lot of me, and actually of you all. Brittany was always interested in in social media, in speaking, all of those great things. But she was shy, right? And she felt like she wasn't pretty enough, right, to do those things. So I shared with you all earlier. You know, growing up for me, that I just felt that way, right? So, um, so running into Brittany and she shared with me. First of all, I walked in a restaurant. It was a Chili's. I'll never forget. And <laughs> she yelled from across the room, "Mrs. West," and gave me the biggest hug. And uh, and so we just caught up in, in a quick 10 minute span. We caught up and she told me that she was on a radio station. Right. Um, I, I can't remember the radio station that she was on. But um, for me, that reminded me of me, the attitude that I have of not quitting. Right. Don't ever give up. Uh, know that you are enough. Right. You're pretty enough. And even the outside appearances don't matter. Right. That's not going to take you to where you want to go. And so, and Brittany was a prime example of that. So for her to be there and that job of her dream, overcoming those obstacles that she did and those insecurities, right? But to be exactly where she wanted to be, um, that was great. And, and again, that reminded me of me because I shared with you all before being here, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. So thank you for asking. As you transition leadership roles such as assistant principal at Samuel and dean of instruction at Siegelville, what lessons from those early experiences continue to guide your leadership philosophy? That's a really good question, right? So at Samuel High School, I was I was actually an AP intern for one year, and um, I didn't finish out the year because I was hired early. Okay, so for me that one year, I was very determined to to give it my all and just never give up and to be the support system for the principal and the other APs I wanted to show them that you know I got what it takes to be in your role okay and so whatever they needed I was there I was at work early very dependable and again I had something to prove I was an intern right and you know I knew one day I wanted to be a principal and so work ethic for me was extremely important. And I think I did a pretty good job because I was hired early. I didn't get a chance to finish my intern. I was hired by the principal at Siegelville, you know, to come in to be the dean of instruction. And I didn't get a chance to really work with him. He actually left, he got promoted. So a new principal came in. Well, again, me having that attitude, right? Pretty much, and I've told my bosses, I want your job. Right. So, you know, my work ethic, um, you know, my dependability, just all of that factored into, you know, where I am today. And so at Siegelville High School for those two years, when I got there, we were academically low performing. OK, you know, that means you're on the bad list. You know, kids scores weren't great. And so I worked, really got a chance to work with my teachers and to get to know my team. And um, and together we came up with a strategy with, with actually a couple of strategies to help get our kids over the hump. So after my second year there, we came off the list and we were academically acceptable. And again, that came from hard work ethic, time, commitment, and believing that all kids can learn. So I was very proud. Mm -hmm. 
When you became principal at the Dallas Environmental Science Academy in 2010, what were your initial thoughts and emotions stepping into the role? You know, my initial thoughts when I arrived at DESA was I have arrived, right? This is my dream job. I had a master's in environmental science. So to now be leading a middle school with a focus on environmental science, it was like, hey, what, what are my passions? What are things that I can bring to kind of, you know, um, to move our school forward. So I did a lot of research, you know, during that time to figure out what are some of the external things, who are some of the partners that I could bring in, what experiences I could engage my students in, just to kind of propel their learning and my school forward. So those five years were a, a great time of learning and research, you know, for me. And they were some of the best students. They were eager to learn. Again, it's a magnet, like our school, so they applied to get in. Um, very high performing and very excited about anything extra, right, we brought in. So they were so focused on the academics. So anything extra, any field trips, you know, things of that nature, they loved it. And I think with all of that, you know, just investing in them and bringing in those external resources to supplement the things that we were doing on campus, I think that, that made a, a huge difference there. So I loved it. So so you're, to answer your question, where were my initial feelings? I've arrived. And then what can I do to propel, you know, this campus? Those are always the thoughts that I have, you know, when I move from one campus to the next. So, and I think I brought some of those things there. Moving from roles like Dean of Instruction to Assistant Principal and then to Principal, what insights did you gain about different dimensions of educational leadership? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um, what did I gain? You know, well, let's talk about, too, some foundational things that, that I took with me in, in all of my roles. You know, values and beliefs are huge. Okay, um, so just going and knowing that, knowing that all students can learn and knowing that I am one of the greatest impacts, right, on my students and their lives, knowing that the work that I led or the work that I was going to lead was going to determine or help determine the future of some of my students. That was huge, right, for me. And that led a lot of the work, those beliefs and morals and values led a lot of the work that I engaged in. Um, and then, too, knowing that I couldn't do this work alone. So in every leadership role that I had, right, even with all my values and beliefs and, you know, things that I stood on when I got there, knowing that it took a team, right? So for me, transitioning into all of those roles, knowing the value of teamwork, right, and, and getting people, you know, to buy in on the things that, that, that I believed, Right. And then you start with the things that you believe. But then when you get that buy in, it becomes a shared vision. And when that shared vision is in place, the results are, I mean, there anything can happen. And so for me, transitioning, just trying to figure that out with different people, with the different teams that I work with and getting that buy in. I have to say that that was the biggest part of uh, a lot of our students uh, accomplishments and our school's accomplishments. 
Your dedication to Dallas ISD spans over 26 years. Uh, <laughs> what uh, drives your enduring commitment to make a difference in this district? Children. The children? Children. You all drive the work that I do. You know, I call some of my folk. Y'all, I know Mr. Pouncey. Mr. Pouncey and I, you know, kind of go way back. So we talk from time to time. And I like to call him and say thank you. <laughs> you know, he could see my smile right through the phone. And I'm, I'm like, hey, I just want you to know that I wake up and I show up every day because of our kids. And it's great to share that with you because you experienced that. You were there with them. And again, I just want to say thank you. So one thing you all for me, I make decisions on what's best for kids. So even when adults come to me, you know, Ms. Shipman or, you know, uh, some of our other teachers and they're like, hey, I want this, I want, I want that. Tell me how it's going to benefit our kids. That's what I want to know. How's it going to benefit our kids, right? When, when teachers or, you know, our staff can share that with me. And then in addition, right, because these are resources, things cost. <laughs> so when you can share how it's going to benefit or propel students, then, you know, if I can, um, you know, um, assist with that in terms of resources, I'm going to make it happen. Because, again, it's, it's, it's for you all. It's all for you and in investing in your education and our future generation. Uh, looking back to when you were a teacher, did you ever envision yourself being a principal? I did. I did. And uh, I did all the time, right? Not my early years of teaching, but my latter years. So what happens is, you know, when you become involved, you're a teacher, right? And you become involved in all of the school activities. And the more you become involved in, the more they ask you to do more, right? You know, Ms. West, will you do this? Ms. West, will you be the lead senior sponsor? Ms. West, will you be the ninth grade uh, house lead? Ms. West, can you do homecoming? And I found myself doing a lot of the things that the administrators did. And, you know, at some point, you know, you got to take a step back and like, okay, right? Can I do that job? Right? Or all the work that I'm doing now, I'm actually functioning in that role. And then two, you know, you start thinking about making a greater impact, right? It's like, okay, I'm a teacher in the classroom and I have 120 kids, right? So imagine being an administrator, being able to support, you know, 50 plus teachers. Think about how many students that would be. And then your mindset grows, right? And you just, you know, I yearn to impact more. And I knew that in order for me to do that, I'd have to move out of the classroom to become an AP. And then you, you know, those, you know, ambitions grow even more and then to become a principal. So here I am impacting all of you, hopefully, <laughs> you know, definitely starting this work. And I know I got a lot of work to do, but I'm looking forward to it. With your experience in various schools, how has the exposure to like different schools impacted your growth as an educator and leader? That is an excellent question. Um, you know, I mentioned before that all of those experiences and leadership roles have influenced me and prepared me for this job. You know, I go back to um, go back to Woodrow Wilson and just think about my experiences there, you know, my first school. Um, you know, I worked with a different population, you know, of students and parents at Woodrow Wilson. And, you know, it, sometimes it could be challenging, but working with, you know, those students and, and parents and facing those challenges and overcoming them helped me, right? Because, right, I'll get to another school in a minute, but moving on to North Dallas, 
I mentioned working with, you know, my ESL students who didn't know English, right? But researching and learning how to help them to overcome that challenge and to succeed. That was a valuable lesson learned there, right? Moving on to Siegelville, a very unique community, right? I'm gonna say different. Different is a word that I use to describe, you know, the Siegelville community. Um, there were many challenges there, many accomplishments as well, right? But overcoming those challenges there uh, was unique. That prepared me for, for this. And Skyline, you all, let me just say, all of my experiences, right, for all of the schools in my dean role, my AP role, my principal role, um, prepared me for Skyline or not. <laughs> all right. So there were, there were challenges. There were many. Um, but again, there were great accomplishments there as well. Right. So, you know, there's so many things that I could say that that prepared me, but it's like little things that I could take from every uh, every school and every role, you know, again, just to get to the point where we had great accomplishments working with diverse groups of students. Again, that experience came a long time ago, you know, uh, working with different um parents with different perspectives. Remember, I mentioned Woodrow, right? I mentioned Siegelville. So then you come to Skyline, you throw in more layers with that, but that experience helped me, right, to kind of overcome those challenges and work with a group of parents. Uh, being here, you know, um, it's awesome. We have parents that advocate for you all like you wouldn't believe. That for me is, is different. Right, you know, I had a taste of it at Dessa, but um, but here it's 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 awesome, and that right there makes me want to do more for you all. So parents that challenge and question, you know, what it is that we're working on, what we're doing, what are we going to do next? Again, that pushes me to think about what what's next for you all, right? What can I do better to propel your learning and your educational experience? So I'm grateful, grateful to be here, grateful to be working with you all and our parents. So yeah, there were a lot of things that, that prepared me to be here. Uh, reflecting on your school years, uh, could you share a bit about maybe if you had a favorite teacher and how they impacted you? Oh, wow. A favorite. I had a lot of favorite teachers, but if I can, I'm going to go back to sixth grade, right? I'm going to go back to sixth grade. And yes, I remember, right, sixth grade. And I'm going to share something cute with you all in a minute, too. So I mentioned to you all earlier how, I mean, I was very insecure, right? You know, I just felt at the time, and I don't know why, you know, because um, I felt that, you know, I had a village. I felt that there were people who cared about me. I mean, I liked me, but I just didn't think, you know, that, that I was enough, you know, or um, that I was pretty enough. You know, for me growing up, looks were, they meant a lot, right? Well, I had this teach. first of all, I'm blind, you all. These are trifocals that I have on, not by, but try. So I started, they are, right? She's looking like Miss West. How transparent are you going to get today? Very. Um, so sixth grade, you all, let me take you back. So I started wearing glasses. I probably should have started long before. But again, me being insecure, 
thinking, okay, I'm already not there. And then to be wearing glasses, I can't do it, right? So I'd sit in class with my head down trying to read. Well, my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Presley, right, called me up. I think I shared a little bit earlier. Called me in front of the room. She had all of all of the students in the room share what they liked about me, right? And a lot of things were, they were physical or, you know, some inner, you know, things. Um, she had me put my glasses on. She made me do it because I walk around with my glasses in my hand and I put them on only when I needed to read. But she made me put them on in front of the class while they talked about the things that they liked about me internally and externally. That was a game changer, you all. Two weeks later, I met my husband. <laughs> Here's the cute part, right? You know, so she's like, wait a minute, we're going to go there? You all, you, you're not going to believe it, right? But, but let me go back. And that conversation, I mean, that experience right there for me just lifted me. And just hearing all the great things that my peers had to say about me, I'm like, okay, maybe they're right, right? There's enough. You all, I started walking a little bit taller, right? I wore those glasses every day. I wore them proudly, right? I started believing that I am enough, right? And I can do whatever it is that I want to do. So who would think something, you know, so small or so simple? Two weeks later, my husband now walked in Ms. Presley's room, okay? He attended a private school, right, uh, before. So he, he left his private school and enrolled in our public school. And he walked in and me with all my confidence in the world, yeah, it was sixth grade, one high school, you all. Okay. <laughs> With all my confidence, right, in the world, because that two weeks made a difference for me. I met my now husband in sixth grade. So, Miss Presley has something to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> And my peers, actually, mm -hmm. so who shared those great things about me. So it was really a life-changing mm -hmm. uh, experience for me. Mm -hmm. uh, beyond any professional commitments, do you have any hobbies or activities that you like in your, to do in your free time? I love singing, even though I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> I love singing. I love shopping. Okay, I love reading. So motivational books, motivational quotes, you know, before school, I'll probably read about 10 to 15 motivational quotes every morning. Um, I love to exude positivity, right? Because negativity is not going to take you anywhere. It's not going to help me. It's not going to help you, right? Uh, and since I have, you know, these high expectations, you know, for, for you all and for me and for our school, right, I just leave negativity out the door. So, and I try and surround my folk, you know, uh, surround myself with people who are positive. But, um, but yeah, I hope I answered your question. Mm -hmm. okay. Do you have a favorite quote? Oh, wow. A favorite one. Y'all yeah, have so many. As a matter of fact, I'd like to share one if you all, if you don't mind, right? This was one this morning, and it actually encompasses a few uh, quotes that I like. Can I share? Yes. We got a yes, minute? Yes. All right. Life is too short to wake up with regrets. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about those who don't. Believe everything happens for a reason. That right there is huge for me. Believe everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said life would be easy. They just promised it would most likely be worth it. Thank you for allowing me to share. Is there any reason why that quote resonates with you? 
number one, life is too short, right? I firmly believe that. And you all, you know, with COVID, you know, being, and we're not out of COVID, you know, season, you know, it's back. But just living in those times has really shown me that, you know, the people that you love and your friends could be here one day and gone the next. And I've lost a few loved ones um, to COVID. And so, you know, that's why for me, just, you know, whatever it is, you know, I want to do, that's reasonable, right? I'm going to go after it. I'm going to make it happen, right? So that part of our life is too short, you know, to waste time. I love it, right? I'm going to go after what it is that I want. And, um, yeah, so I think that's the best part of that for me. And just live. You all live with no regrets. You know, who, who cares if you, if you fail? Failure is a part of growth. It's a part of learning, Right. So, you know, make mistakes, but live, live with no regrets. Um, do you have any closing remarks that you would like to share? Closing remarks. First of all, thank you all. I love this. So any opportunity that I get to share, you know, uh, who I am and, you know, what I stand for and the impact that I want to have. I mean, I want to take advantage of it. So um, I love the conversations with you all on a daily basis. So I may not talk to all of you every day, but I want to encourage you, right, to come and share, you know, things that you want to share with me or any ideas that you have about taking our, our school to the next level. I know some of you are going to be moving on, but I know you care about our school and care about, you know, the, the other students that are coming up, right, in our school. So feel free, right, to share anything um, that you have for me, anything that will propel uh, our campus. So anytime you want me to come back, right, let me know the topic and I'll be here. As you can see, I love to talk. <laughs> you all are watching each other like, when is she going to be quiet? But, um, but anyway, I'm just grateful. So grateful to be here. Again, I said that everything happens for a reason, and I just feel that all of my experiences have led me to be here. And as great as our campus is, I feel that there's work to do. And I'm going to do it, you know, until the next person, because I won't be here forever, right? I'm going to do the best job that I can until the next principal steps in and, and takes over and pick up where, you know, I left off. So, again, thank you for this interview today. Thank you so much for joining us, joining us today, Mrs. West. We're grateful for your time and the wisdom you've shared today with us. Your insights and expertise have genuinely illuminated our discussion, and I'm sure our SBM family enjoyed learning more about you. Thank you. And we would be honored to have you back on the show towards the end of the year to reflect on the progress and see how you've shaped our school and changed it. But thank, thank you to our KSBM family for tuning into our first show. Feel free to follow us on at KSBM Radio on Facebook, at KSBMRadio.tvt on Instagram, and follow our school at SBM Townview on Facebook and Twitter. And once again, I am Unison. I'm Art Lover. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Jelly. And our very special guest, Mrs. West. All right. Thank you. Thank i got to come back in the middle of the year. We're not okay. going to wait until the end. All right? <laughs> thank you guys thank for you. listening. Thank we'll you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to KSBM Radio, the voice of Townview. My radio station. We hope you enjoyed the great content and great discussion, all from a student's perspective. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for the latest updates at KSBM underscore TVT or on Facebook at KSBM Radio. Add them on Facebook. Check them on Facebook. Take care.